good is that? <laughs> Haven't heard heavy metal in church for a while. <laughs> <laughs> I love how fast those images were having to flicker too because they're just doing so much over there, you know. Awesome. Let's stand to our feet. So something we love to do to get our energy up for the Word is just to release a shout of praise for God just to get us ready in that celebratory mood. Are you ready for it? Right on three. One, two, three. Jesus, we love you, Lord. Woo! One more time. One, two, three. Woo! We love you, Lord. All right, let's let's pray as well. God, we love you so much, Father. We love your word. We love what your people are doing. We thank you, Father, for every testimony. We thank you for Egypt, for Nara, for Tonga. We thank you, Father, that, uh, that we have the privilege to give, Father, because you have given us life. You have given us energy. You have given us it, everything, God. And so we freely give it back to you as we prepare for Imagine Day and as we prepare for the Word today. Amen. Grab a seat. Oh, that feels better. Got the energy back now. I was thinking as I was watching that video, I was thinking about uh, investment. And I was thinking that if, if I were to invest in something, what would I expect back, do you think? Returns, right? If I invest in a company, then I'd be hoping to see that company succeed, to be one day bearing fruit, giving back. Now, as a church, Imagine Day is fantastic because... How much more do you think that if we invest in these powerful moves of the Spirit, that God will honor that investment? I'm hearing about these thousands of people, these millions of people that they have plans for. Man, that's a return for an investment. We here in Australia, we need that kind of atmosphere coming into this place. And so I love that Imagine Day can connect our church to those kind of things. I also want to talk just quickly about some things that are on my heart for the church and also with Imagine Day, how we'll be using our resources as well. Uh, so there's three things. I like to keep things simple. I don't like to go past three points generally. <laughs> um, there's three things I'm really uh, passionate about here in City Church MacArthur, and that's humble leaders dynamic engagement, and community partnerships. That sound all right to everybody? Good. <laughs> so with dynamic engagement, that has some practical material considerations when it comes to things like that. From last Imagine Day, we gave really practically into the new keyboard, into the, new, into the new chairs and into an air conditioner in the kids' room. These are all practical things, but they just help with how we do church here. Now, for me, one of the really uh, big concerns for me that I can see is needed in the church moving forward, maybe especially here in the city, is things need to be 
flexible and fast and light and the more that we can move things around the more people can get excited about things as well so that's why these chairs are an investment we can stack them up we can move them around they're light they're not going to break our backs these are practical things but these are very helpful in preparing for growth for the church as well my comprehension of the church is that it's not just a building that it's it's the people and that if, if when we are going to get materials to support the people, that they should be as useful and flexible in as many contexts as possible. That's, that's my personal belief. So looking forward, I would love if, you know, if even the way we think about staging, if our stage could become portable, if our cafe could become portable, so that if we ever want to... Uh, take it outside and do church outside one time, if we ever want to take it to a park and do church at a park one time, I think that uh, between having a building and having an outdoor space, we need to create a bridge so that we're not just expecting people to come to us, but that we can take our resources and who we are out to them. So uh, when I think about the resources that we have here, I'm just trying to share with you what's on my heart and what's in my head about the future of the church. And this is the way things are going in general. A lot of businesses are thinking this way. Everything, you might have noticed, everything's not wired anymore. Everyone wants flexibility. Everyone wants wireless. Everyone wants authenticity. They want to see what happens behind closed doors, in the service, out of the service. And these are the kind of attitudes I'm, and culture we're trying to bring in. Now, I've spoke uh, about uh, the community partnerships and uh, what we're doing at a global scale. People on, in the church have been sharing with me their heart to do some outreach at a local scale as well. Uh, one of our closest assets is uh, we've got the university and we also have the Norellan Town Centre right there. Uh, and people have been sharing that around Christmas this year they would like to go across to that space uh, as teams or as a church and just to build the atmosphere, hey, we're here, come across, we're here to serve you, we're here to love you. Um, so again, with Imagine Day, these are the things that we're giving towards this year. And one of the last things I want to share with you just before we get stuck into the Word is I have put on the bill for Imagine Day this year as well, That, uh, and I don't know if this will be possible, but as a faith step, I would like to put on there that potentially it would pay for one day of uh, myself as the pastor of this church serving this church. Currently, I'm bivocational, and uh, it, I believe that that is making it difficult for us to streamline our growth. I think that what is needed to take this church to the next level is uh, a time investment. Now, I reckon that one of the reasons why God has called me to this place is that I, I'm in community development. That's what my, my nine to five is. But I would love to be community developing this church and to be investing more and more of my time into this place. And so I'm not sure if it's going to be possible, but I've made the faith step that we put that on the bill. It'll be the first thing to go if we don't get the finances. But if we do, just let's just imagine for a second that if we do what someone working 12 hours, investing maybe 12 hours, it'll be a big day, <laughs> but pouring as much time as possible into just going out there and telling people about this place. 
serving the community, letting them know, making that... Anyway, sound all right? All right, good. Does that build your momentum towards Imagine Day? Well, good. Mission accomplished. All right. Today's sermon is called Two Lights. And the first thing I would like to do is invite you to think. What do you think about when you imagine momentum? Just take a second. What do you think about? I think I'm a a typical man in this matter. I think of a battering ram. I think of throwing rocks off a cliff, skimming stones across a lake, a snowball snowballing down a hill. Jet Lee's one-inch punch. I think of kids running around the edge of a swimming pool and it's starting to produce that whirlpool effect. Anyone, what about when you were kids? Did you do that? Yeah, good. You're with me. Physics defines momentum as an object or wave its quantity of motion. Science defines physics as uh, the study of matter and energy, but ironically, when I studied physics in high school, I had no energy for any of its matters. (laughs) Alex was there, he remembers. (laughs) But I do remember learning how to shoot a cannonball at a ship. (laughs) Pretty cool stuff, hey? All right, now let me ask you, how much momentum does your life have right now? Are you going places or are you just waiting for something to happen? And how can you even tell? Physics tells us that we are spinning around the sun at 110,000 kilometers an hour. And yet, I can't feel a thing. (laughs) Relativity tells us that things can be affecting us, can be acting upon us, and we don't even know. Isn't that a scary thought? I find that assumption is the most scary thought. Here in Australia, we take things for granted. As individuals, we take things for granted. We have a momentum that's taking us somewhere, whether you acknowledge it or not. Scary thought. And I ask myself, do we as a church get around God's Son and the community as fast as that. That's what I'd like to see. As fast as 110,000 kilometers an hour that we're going straight for the God's son. Amen? Now, momentum is the word that Pastor Jason prophesied over City Church for 2019. And to be honest, when 
he first excitedly told me about this word that God had told him. And I'm not proud of this, mind you. <laughs> what I did is I sighed. <laughs> oh. Everybody say shame. Shame. I deserve that. I deserve that. There's nothing worse than when you're excited about something and you tell someone and they just kind of shrug. Right? Right? Exactly. Exactly. So why, oh, why did I do that shameful sigh? Because momentum sounds to me like one of those words that churches say to get tired people to do more. <laughs> That's why. I said, come on, Pastor Jason. Didn't we do momentum last year? <laughs> oh, I said, when are we going to do the, the chillax theme? Am I right? <laughs> Uh, but then I began thinking which is always a good idea what if momentum is about working smart instead of smarting from all the hard work it's a little wordplay for you what if momentum isn't about carrying more but it's about releasing What's already on your heart? What's already in your life that you might have already been carrying? You know, life is hard. It is. We all carry something for someone or for ourselves. But it's only when we release those things that we can achieve momentum. We can release them. We can propel them. And you might remember that God at the start of this year gave me this image of the Holy Spirit like water raining down on a mountain. And the water was moving beneath the surface, building up in momentum, building up in pressure, so that when the ground finally cracks like a creme brulee, this momentum, this water, this Holy Spirit water will just burst forth from us, bringing healing, bringing life, bringing sustenance. That's what water is all about. And that's the image I got. Jesus is not a burden. Uh-uh. If you are thinking in your Christianity that Jesus is a burden, then you don't know Jesus yet. Jesus is not a burden. Jesus is rest. And his yoke is light. Matthew eleven thirty. Therefore, what that teaches me is to bring Jesus into everything. That's what that teaches me. If I am carrying a burden, if I am tired, then I need to yoke myself to Jesus. I believe without a doubt that everything we need to grow this church is already here. I believe that. I'm not waiting. No way. Everything we need is already here. And guess where it is? 
It's sitting there looking at me. <laughs> it's wondering what I'm going to say next. <laughs> it's you. I believe in you guys. And this year, it's about us partnering together to release what's inside you. To release what's on your heart. To loose those burdens. And watch what God does with the thing, that thing, that burden. All right. Now I've talked about lightening our burdens. I want to transition this sermon's momentum towards the mysteries of God's light. Now, if I asked you who the smartest science scientist in human history is, who would you say? Einstein. Einstein. Yep. And if I said, what was Einstein's most famous formula, what would you say? E equals MC squared. Man, I wish you guys knew your Bible this well. This is good. <laughs> oh. Now, does anybody know what this formula actually means? Mass times by speed of light. Energy equals mass times by the speed of light squared. Now, if you were to talk about energy, would you think about light? Would you think about the speed of light and mass together? Fascinating, isn't it? Now, the reason why light here is called C is because light is constant. It's one of the few constants in God's creation, and yet it is constantly moving as well. It is potentially, theoretically, the fastest moving thing in the universe, moving at 300,000 kilometers per second. And now you might not believe me today, but in my preparation for this sermon, I have learned how to run at the speed of light. Would you like to see me run at the speed of light? All right, all right, ready? You got to count me down. Three, two, one. All right, ready? In that time, I circumnavigated the globe 7.5 times. That's how fast the speed of light is isn't that fast that's insane so who cares you might ask why are we talking about the speed of light we're in church millions of billions of our taxpayer dollars are spent firing single particles at one another because man is trying to reproduce what God did with a single word. And with some effectiveness, mind you, they have found that when they shoot two tiny little particles as fast as they can, nowhere near the speed of light, that what happens is that the energy and those mass produces new mass, new matter, produces not life, 
That requires God, but it produces something new. I find that really interesting. This formula dictates all known energy in the universe. That's pretty amazing. It ended World War II. And it explosively proved that matter and energy, matter and energy are in fact one, one thing. See, it doesn't matter how tired you felt this morning when you were rolling out of bed on your way to church. This formula tells us that one gram of your body, one gram contains 18,000 tons of exploding TNT. One gram. That's how much power God has and that's how much effort he put into creating the universe. Am I the only one here? This is not amazing stuff. This is blowing my mind. One gram. When asked about the relationship between faith and science, Einstein answered, Everyone who is seriously involved in the pursuit of science become, con, becomes convinced that some spirit is manifest in the laws of the universe, one that is vastly superior to that of man. Whew, preach it. Nevertheless, Einstein would not allow himself to believe that this powerful being would so graciously care for a human. So he wasn't a believer after saying something like that. And for someone that spent his lifetime studying light, to never actually have that light bulb moment about God makes me think that maybe he wasn't so smart after all. In fact, he need only turn to Genesis to realize that his great revelation was just another of man's plagiarisms. Genesis 1, 3 to 4. God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that that light was good, and he separated the light from darkness. Who then is our God? Light-filled warm and life-giving, good and protective, beautiful and rainbow-filled, unified in word and in deed. We can learn so much about the nature of God just from that first action, just from light itself. And I've said this before and I'll say it again, that even if I'd never heard of a Messiah, even if I'd never read my Bible, that if I saw a sunset and I saw that I was different from a creature or from a plant, that when I saw the sunset, I'd say someone had made this beautiful. Someone had made this good. Someone had planned this creation. So I would see this light show in the sky and could comprehend it. The goodness of God's creation. Did you know, I find it really fascinating that God spoke and life happened because there's a quality of light that reflects this nature of God. 
this unified word and deed. Light is one of the few things that is both a wave and a particle. A sound and an action and a consequence. See, it's reflecting the nature of God. Is that not amazing? John 8, 12. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever, whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, what happened when Jesus was crucified? What happened to the light? It went out. Mark 15, 33. Darkness came over the world for three hours. Revelation 21, 23. The city, heaven, does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it. For the glory of God gives it light and the lamb is its lamp. Whoo! The mysteries. Can you feel them under the surface? There's a mystery about this relationship between the creator and creation, between God and light. Now, what you might not know is that E equals MC squared is actually the shortened version of the formula. And we'll bring up the, um, we'll bring up the new one. Anyone seen that before? Guessing not. This formula that I was talking about, Einstein's formula, it needed to be corrected because in keeping with Genesis... Light has no burdens, has no weight to it, and yet light contains energy, doesn't it? How is this possible? They had to add to their beautiful, simple formula in order to account for light because it broke the rules. Just like Jesus. How can Jesus be crucified for us and yet not be a burden? How can we as Christians suffer a broken world and yet not have any burdens? How can that be light? Doesn't make any sense, right? We break the formula. So who can guess then what this, this, this is what's been added, this P. Who can guess what that P is? I'll give you a hint. It's tied to Imagine Day. <laughs> P is Momentum. I should have done a drum roll. Missed my opportunity. P is momentum. That means when mass is zero, before the creation of anything, the moment that you have light, you have momentum. Do you know God doesn't need us? Do you know that? You know, God doesn't need us for momentum. No way. Do you know? When all of this is said and done, when creation is over, God's going to have everything right where he wants it. Doesn't need us to have momentum. But my question is, is a bit like a surfer. That's my question. I'm like, how do I get on that momentum? How do I make the burdens light along the way? How do I ride that wave of light? Anyone else excited about that? Anyone else felt the joy that comes when you get on board with what God's doing? When you start riding the light of God? 
Actually, I, I used to work for a guy. <laughs> he was a terrible guy. <sighs> but uh, he was a surfer and he'd always talk about this vision he had where he was on the wave with Jesus. You know, that was his big thing. Hey, man, I'm on the wave with Jesus, man. <laughs> it was hilarious. <laughs> but he would say, you know, that moment when it's barreling and you're looking through the wave and you're just seeing the light just coming through. And it's just that moment where, you, where you're still, you're really still. But this wave is just carrying you and the joy of it, the dips of it, the substance of life in it. That's what I'm talking about, people. See, the moment that you let the light of God shine into your life, you find yourself energized. You find yourself with momentum. You don't even know where you're going. You look like a fool. You don't know. <laughs> but you... There's something to it. There's something about once you let the light of God in you, it changes your momentum. It does. See, the hardest part I find with this formula is mass. Not mathematics. I'm not that much of an artist. It's the M-A-S-S, -S, the mass. See, because the law of my body is gravity. Every cheeseburger I have, <laughs> it's trying to get me. It's trying to catch up to me, to trip me up, to pull me down. And one day, it's going to succeed. I know it. One day, gravity is going to knock me down forever. It's going to pull me into the grave and the dirt that this body belongs to. That's what this, this body belongs to this, to this earth. But the law of my soul... The law of my soul is light. Is light. See, the essence of becoming Jesus' disciple, and he says it to almost everybody he ever commissioned, is drop it all, sell it all, release your burdens, and follow me. Get on that wave. And he gave the same expectations of himself to his believer. Psalm 119, 105 and 130. God's word is a lamp for my feet. It gives understanding to the simple. Hear that? All the dummies in the audience? It gives understanding to the simple. God can heal even our brains. Thank God. <laughs> Matthew 5, 14 to 16, Jesus said to his followers, you are the light of the world. Forget I am the light of the world. Now he's saying you are the light of the world. A town built on a, on a hill, it cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. You know, we look to Jesus and we say, Jesus, be our light. Jesus, do this, do this. And then Jesus confronts us by looking back. He puts his light in us for a reason. It's not just Jesus, you do it all. Jesus, take the wheel. Jesus says, no, nah, I'm going to teach you to take the wheel. I'm going to teach you to drive. I'm going to teach you to be the light. You to be up on the hill. You, you, you. Isn't that exciting? 
He wants to share the energy, the momentum, the power. God does not covet power. He's not like men that take it all for themselves. God wants to share it with you. I love that about God. He's such a great guy. I also find this verse is somewhat of an ironic sentiment. That God is saying this thing, don't put your light under a bowl, and yet God put the light of His image, His God image, His Spirit, into the earthen vessels of our flesh. Isn't that an ironic thing? So the challenge becomes, how are we going to release that light from within us? You know, Moses, when Moses returned to the Israelites after 40 days being in the presence of God, his mind was enlightened and his face was literally aflame, it says. And it says why, Exodus 34, 29, because he had been speaking with God. There's some incentive for you to speak to God and to pray. People aren't going to start denying the evidence of your claim when your face is glowing. (laughs) You know, people can say whatever they want. When your face starts glowing, they're going to listen. They're going to stop saying stuff. So pray. I've had people in my work say to me that when they encounter a Christian, they see a light inside them. You ever heard someone say that before? There was a light inside that person. We need to do whatever we can. Pray, read the Bible to let that light come out. It's not to be hidden under the bowl of this body, under the bowl of what we see, the flesh. We've got to let the light come out. It's the light. See, in order to follow Jesus and God, the Christian's most impossible task is to move our unsubstantiated faith into the reality of our circumstance So that like God and like Jesus, we too can create and resurrect life. That's what it's all about. It's not just about faith. Uh -uh. It's about moving faith from faith into our circumstance. And how do we do it? See, the mature in this place, the mature amongst us ought to know that it is only when we as the church align our momentum with the light that God is shining and the places He's telling us to go, that just like energy and mass become interchangeable, so the faith of the believer and the circumstance of the world becomes interchangeable. When the momentum and God's plan align, it becomes interchangeable. Faith is realized in that place. That's what I'm excited about. That's what excites me about momentum. That the church, in becoming like God, in 
Becoming like God takes on his authority and can affect our circumstance. If we can't change nothing, then why do anything? Honestly, it's empty words. It's empty talk. I'm not about that. God has given us authority and power to change things. I am not content with the world as I see it. I have a massive problem with this word acceptance. I don't accept things. I just don't. Because I know the only thing I accept is God and God's word and every part of who he is. And with every fiber of my being and every energy and momentum that I have, I'm going to try and align with that. Now, I want to give you just a couple of quick keys and then we're going to wrap this up. And I've called this three impossible tasks for divine fools. So if you've got a pen and paper and you want to take up an impossible task, here they go. One, open up. Don't hide and isolate and disassociate yourself in sin. Light won't push itself in. God is a gentleman. You need to open yourself up. Let it come in. Open up to Jesus' followers. Open up your Bible. Open up in God with prayer. Allow God's light to shine in. And more importantly, not just shine in, but to change you with its momentum. It changes the direction of even your inward feelings, even who you think you are. God's light changes those things. And then you need to make every effort to live transparently and accountably. That's step one, impossible task. The next impossible task is to lighten up. <laughs> Don't hoard your greed and your comfort and your control and sink with that ship called materialism. Don't do it. Rather, give and share with one another generously and without even thinking about it. Just be generous without even thinking about it. Don't even look at the bill. When it's in regards to God, don't even look at the bill. Just give it. That's a nice way to live. Invest in the hopeless. Because in doing so, you've invested hope in them. Laugh at hardship because the light that is in you is unsinkable. It is unsinkable. And it is in that hardship that your light will be most visible, most seen. And the last task is look up. Be optimistic, lighthearted. Keep your conscience clear by thinking well of people in this world. Yeah, people say, well, that would make me foolish. I need to be wise. But the naive, the child, and those with a clear conscience, they don't think dirty thoughts. They think well of people. They assume that people can do better. And in doing that, sometimes when you're knee-deep in your sin and someone looks at you with a naivety and with a hope, that can prophesy that into your life. You can want to meet that expectation. I love the last verse I'm going to say today, Luke 11, 34 to 35. I'll get you to stand to your feet as well. This verse says, your eye is the lamp of your body. And when your eye is healthy, your whole body is full of light. 
Science would tell us that our eye is just a passive receiver of light. But there is nothing passive about God. Nothing. The eye is not only a receiver of light when it comes to matters of the Spirit, but it projects out the light and the hope that you have inside you. It gives direction. Did you know that your eyes can be a projector? That they can be a lamp? The way you see the world can not only change where you're walking, but where other people are walking as well. Your light can shine so bright that you're leading other people as well. This is amazing stuff. This morning as the sun came up, and I was thinking about all of this crazy light stuff, what happens in Australia when the sun comes up? What happens? The birds! Woo! In Australia, you cannot ignore a sunrise because the birds just won't let you. Every time the joy of a new day is there, every time the sun gets moving, the birds, they're just yakking, celebrating, welcoming. We're about to do some of that in a second. The church can learn a lot from the birds in Australia. <laughs> and I remembered, I remembered as that happened, I remembered as I was a kid, I used to always fear the movement of the Holy Spirit in church because my mum would start doing what our family notoriously called the kookaburra laugh. <laughs> she'd stand at the back of the church and she'd be laughing and laughing and I'd be like, God... God, Mom, please, less momentum. You're going to fly away, you know? <sighs> but, you know, for a woman that worked three jobs for six kids and spent her life on her knees, the light of God shining on her in that moment, she was not going to be held down by other people's objections and judgment. I don't care what your circumstance is. When the light of God shines on you, let it out. Just let it out. Don't let man hold you back. Do not let man hold you back. It's God's light. It's what it's all about. It's the very first thing he ever created. Let's be like God's light. Amen? All right, so let's do some singing then. Let's do it.